Welcome to Pursue Wisdom, the teaching podcast of Bethlehem Church in Austin, Minnesota. I'm Paul Steele. I'm the pastor at Bethlehem Church, and we are in a sermon series called Lost as we take a look at how God wants us to use our money. Most Americans are lost when it comes to our finances. We have too much debt, and each month we experience significant financial pressure. Jesus and the rest of the Bible say too much about finances and money for us to be lost financially. My prayer is that this series will help you take the first steps in becoming a good manager, a good steward of the resources that God has given to you. Now let's get into the sermon. Uh, so we're going to talk about money uh, and being lost, and none of us like to be lost, right? Uh, whether, and, and we can be lost in more than one way. We can be lost physically, like we don't know where we're at. We're driving along, and all of a sudden, like, oh, I, I don't know where I'm at. My, my GPS gave me wrong directions or whatever. We don't know. Uh, but we can also be lost just simply by when we're doing a project or, or something. And we're like, oh, what is the next step? What am I supposed to do? So yesterday, th this, this happened to me just yesterday. So we got the kids a uh, Nintendo Switch for Christmas. And, and most of the time it's been upstairs on our upstairs TV just, just because uh, we don't want someone to kind of sneak off and <laughs> play it. But uh, but on Friday we did move it downstairs to the basement and and because uh, uh, Micah had a friend over and so we had it down in the basement and then uh, yesterday I brought it back up and was trying to hook it up to the TV and I'm like why is this not working like like I checked the connections like everything like why is this not working and I started getting frustrated and I'm like I don't even like I've done everything that I've thought. I know how to do, and I just don't know what the next step is. And so, uh, and that's that feeling of frustration and, and helplessness. Now, just to finish that story, here's what happened. We had an HDMI cord hanging out from the TV, and then the HDMI cord from the, the, the Nintendo, they weren't the same cord. They were both dropping down. So I thought it was connected. It really wasn't, which is a reminder that most of the time our solutions are simple if you just follow the cord like, oh, it's not really connected. I thought it was, it wasn't. But the, the thing is, right, we get frustrated and we feel helpless and we're like, what in the world? I've done everything I've known how to do. Now what? I don't know what to do. We have that feeling of frustration and helplessness. We don't know what our next step should be. And that's where, if possible, it would be nice to be able to, to ask for directions. That's one of the purposes of YouTube anymore. Like, I don't know what to do. Let, let me YouTube this and find out what next step. But we need that direction. We need that guidance. Most Americans are lost financially. We, we talked about this last week. Most Americans. It's not just as... A little bit, it's not just a, a little part of, of, our, of our nation. It is most people. So in December, the lending report, the lending club report came out. So they tracked lending and, and all this stuff. So in November, 
what they discovered, so this is the report that came out just in December, so just last month, a month ago, in fact, it was the 15th, I saw, uh, so in November, the percentage of people living paycheck to paycheck rose to 63% of Americans, paycheck to paycheck, and and if you think it's about the amount of money you're making, you, 47% of people who are making six figures are living paycheck to paycheck. So that's where we're, we're struggling to, to, to figure out this financial thing. And then another thing that they, they reported was that uh, credit card balances are up rose by 15%. So we're wondering, how are people managing this time in inflation? Well, we're not. What we're doing is we're putting it on our credit cards to sustain the lifestyle that we're used to. But that's unsustainable. So what we're seeing is that most Americans are lost financially. We, we don't know what to do, right? But as we talked about last week, Jesus talked about money. The Bible talks about money. And one of the things that, and probably the main point of Jesus' teaching when it comes to money, is our relationship to it. That Jesus is concerned that we don't make money, we don't make our stuff our main priority, that it doesn't become our idol, that it doesn't become our, our master. So money is a spiritual issue. That's why we're talking about it. As I said last week, I'd rather not talk about it. Money is not my favorite subject. It gives me worry. It gives me anxiety. It, 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 like, I'd rather, I'd like to just say, hey, let's just forget this. But the Bible talks about it. The Bible gives us direction. The Bible gives us wisdom and, and what we should do. So we need to take time to listen to it. So just as a way of review from last week, even though we didn't uh, read this text, I, it's going to help us see what kind of the main points of last week's sermon were about. Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants, and he entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in portions to their abilities, and then he left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master, the master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. 
The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will celebrate. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man and harvesting crops where you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from the servant and gave it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into the dark, into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So here's what's going on, right? The, there's, there's two truths I want wanted us to get from, the, from last week, and, and we see them illustrated here. First of all, our money is a tool that God has loaned us, right? Our money is a tool that God has loaned to us. So our money isn't our money, it's God's money. And I think this is a change of perspective that we really need to grasp if we're going to use our finances, our money well, is that it doesn't really belong to us to begin with. It is a tool that God has given to us. He has loaned it to us. And so like anything that we have borrowed, we want to take good care of it. Right? So we want to use it well. And in this case, what we see is that the reason that the master had given them the money was to invest it, was to, to use for his kingdom, for his purposes. And so he expected them not just to hold on to it, not just to not lose it, but to use it well. That was the expectation. That's why that last servant was condemned for just hiding it. The expectation wasn't that he just kept it safe. The expectation was that he would use it properly because it belonged to the master. He loaned it to them. And they were to, which is the second point, is that we are to be good stewards or good managers of what is given to it to us. So we talk about a lot of time within church. It's a, it's, a, it's a church word that we usually use this word in church rather than in other contexts, is, is to be a steward. And we talk, usually when we talk about money in church, we talk about stewardship. But to be a steward is, it means to be, a steward is someone who manages the affairs and the property of another person. So we are God's stewards. We are managing what he has given to us. So it doesn't belong to us in the first place. Yeah, we may have gone out and earned it, but it's a loan that God has given to us. It's something that, that belongs to him, and he expects us to use it well. He expects us to use it for his purposes. And that's what I wanted us to come away with from last week that we are God's stewards and we are to manage his money, his finances well. But before we move on, I think this is very important to say and to, and, uh, because we're going to talk about principles. 
Like here are good principles to do, to use uh, when it comes to money, to come to finances. But sometimes I think when when we talk this way and we talk about finances, we focus so much on the principles that we lose the spiritual reality behind everything. That it is God's money and we're living in this, through this time of inflation, where all of us, right? I don't think I'm speaking out of turn. All of us have had our budgets squeezed. All of us have. And there's not really anything that we can do about it. Some of it, some of us are like, where in the world? How am I going to provide? What is going to go happen? Like, I have no wiggle room here whatsoever. I didn't have any wiggle room to begin with. And now, like, I, there's, there's not, you know, like, like, I could not survive an unexpected expense right now. Right? And, and all the principles that we can talk about is not going to change that reality. And so we have to remember that God is in control, that everything belongs to God. And we need to come daily to him and ask God to provide for what we need. Trusting that he is going to provide in ways that we see and in ways that we don't see. That when we go to the grocery store, maybe we just we start praying and asking God, help me to find those bargains. Help me to find the things that I need to be on sale. And as we ask God to provide for us, maybe there will be things like our cars run a little bit longer, get a little bit gas, better gas mileage. Maybe our clothes start to last longer, right? When, when the Israelites were wandering in the, the wilderness, what happened? God said, hey, your shoes aren't going to wear out. Your clothes aren't going to wear out. I'm going to provide manna here. And so we need to, if we're really squeezed financially and we're like, I don't know how ends are going to be met, God provide. But I think for us to truly experience God's provision in this way, we need to show faith. We need to show trust. And part of that is adopting these principles in how we handle our money, showing, hey, we are good stewards. All right? Part of this parable was, hey, you've been faithful with a little. I'm going to give you more responsibility here. You can handle more. And so showing that we trust God in the little and just trusting that he is going to provide for our needs. And so we pray. Now, that's part of the the Lord's Prayer. This is what Jesus said. Hey, this is how you should pray. Give us this day our daily bread. God, provide for what we need. Trust God to provide in unexpected and and even unseen ways. There might be ways that God provides for us and we don't see it, 
until we get to heaven, right? Like, oh, yeah, God blessed us in so many ways that we didn't even see, we didn't even realize, but God was there by our side. So the first step to getting on laws financially is to recognize that God is the owner of everything and we are his stewards. That's the first step. That is that realization that we need to take. God is in control. God's the master. He's the owner of everything. We are his stewards. But what's the next step? How do we get back on track to being good stewards? If we've not been good stewards, how do we get back on track and manage what God has given us well? So in Luke chapter 12, we read about Jesus teaching a large crowd. And during a break, In the teaching, someone comes to Jesus with a question. So Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, uh, starting with verse 13. Then someone called from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus replied, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much we, you own. Life is not measured by how much you own. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. So it was not uncommon for people to come to these traveling rabbis, teachers, and ask for them to settle disputes. This was not an uncommon thing to have happen because where else are they going to go? Right? So here's, this, here's Jesus. He's recognized as having wisdom. He's, he, he, and so this guy comes and says, hey, I have this dispute. Tell my brother that he needs to be fair. He needs to divide my father's estate with me. The man thinks this is all about fairness. Hey, I'm not getting my fair share. But Jesus sees past that. And he says the real issue is not about fairness, but about greed. Right? Jesus says in verse 15, Then he said, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. This isn't about being fair. This isn't about the fact that your brother's not giving you his fair share, your fair share. This is about the greed that you have. Jesus said the real issue is about greed. Now, greed is one of those things that's just so easy to see in somebody else. <laughs> that person's a greedy person. It's something very difficult to see in the mirror. (laughs) 
none of us would describe ourselves as greedy. And Jesus says that this is this, beware about every kind of greed. This is something that we have to be aware of. So to illustrate the point, Jesus told a parable, a parable about a rich farmer who has this wonderful harvest. He doesn't have enough room to store it all. So what is he going to do? That's his dilemma. What is he going to do with all his harvest? Now, it's easy for you and I, right, to say, hey, he needs to give away that excess. Because, again, greed is easy to see in another person. It's not easy to see in ourselves. And this guy says, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my barns, not just build extra barns. He's going to tear down his barns, build bigger ones, He's going to hoard what had been given to him. And he's going to save for the future. There is a certain amount of wisdom we tell ourselves in this. He's going to save for the future. He's not going to have to worry about what happens. He'll have enough as he moves forward. But here's the problem. He forgot the reason why he had the harvest that he had. He forgot the reason why he had the wealth that he had. It wasn't because he was better than everyone else. It wasn't because he was so much smarter than everyone else. And this goes back to the foundation of this all. Who owns it? God does. And what we've been given is on loan from God. And this guy forgot all about that. He is just simply thinking about what is best for me. And he forgets the reason behind it all to begin with. He was foolish. That's what Jesus called him. He's foolish. Because he stored up earthly wealth, he neglected his relationship with God. Now remember here, when we hear about a relationship with God, if I asked you, how are you gonna, how how do you have a relationship with God? Where do we start with? Oh, you need to read your Bible, you need to pray, you need to, okay. Those are part of it. But remember, Jesus is in in a time when you didn't have your own set of Scripture. You're not doing your daily Bible time. You don't have your daily quiet time that we think is so essential. Yes, they meditate. They memorized and meditated on God's Word. But the main way that you you were rich in your relationship with God is that you demonstrated his character in this world, right? That's That's what it means to bear God's image. We are demonstrating God's image in this world. The main way you have a relationship with God is that you do the things that God has called you to do. You love, you forgive, you have mercy, you have compassion. And so later on in this same chapter, Matthew chapter 5, you have, we have the teaching of 
the sheep and the goats. And the sheep go to the right, and the goats go to the left, to judgment. And what's the difference between the two? It's how they treated those who needed help. And Jesus says, those you help, if you've helped the least of these, you've helped me. If you've ignored the least of these, you've ignored me. If our faith isn't being lived out in the things that we do and and, and helping those around us, we're not rich in our relationship with God. No matter how many Bible verses we can quote, no longer how long we pray each and every day, our relationship with God needs to flow out in the way that we live our lives, in our generosity towards others, towards our love for each other, the way we serve, the way that we help. That is crucial to having a rich relationship with God. To be a good steward then means that we need to value what God values. And God values people. It's crucial to remember that wealth is temporary. We can't take our wealth with us. It's temporary. It will not last. And so we need to value the eternal things. God's character, his love, his mercy, his compassion. We need to devote our lives to them. Because if we don't invest in eternal things, we'll end up losing everything. If we don't invest in eternal things, we end up losing everything. So how can we be different? How can we be different than this man who was the the character of Jesus's parable? How can we be wise? Well, we need to ask God for wisdom. We uh, develop a plan based on sound principles And we also seek to help. And sometimes that's going to mean we're really serious about helping and about generosity. It means deviating or taking a detour from our plan. Our plan is great, but sometimes God's calling is going to trump our plan. And we need to go with God. And we also, we also, so we also need to seek to help. Well, yes, which means detouring from the plan. So 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. So how do we do that? Verse 17, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother and sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? So if we have enough money and enough stuff to have our daily needs provided for and we see somebody in need and we have absolutely no compassion for them, John here is saying, well, how can God's love really be in that person? To show God's love, to demonstrate his character, will sometimes mean sacrifice. And there might be a month that we have to sacrifice our savings in order to be more generous. 
But that's what God has called us to do because we're going to trust that God provides each and every step of the way. So how much do we give? Right? Oh, so we show God's love through our generosity. So in our budgets, we want to make room to give, to save, and then to have enough to live on. That's what, that's ideally, that's what we want. To make room, to have, to have savings, to, to have some to give away, and then live on the rest. So how much do we give, right? That's, that's always the question. I get that question, right? you know, what's, what, what should I give? Well, generosity within the Bible is always the key. We need to be generous. And so, yeah, you can go back to the, the tithe principle, giving 10%, but that was never, that was always, even in the Old Testament, that was the baseline, that was the starting point, that was never the end goal. Generosity is always the key. Worship always requires sacrifice. Worship and sacrifice go together. And so we want to be generous with what God has given to us. And so my thought is, is that, you know, 10% given to the local church and then making some room to be generous to other ministries and missions and, and ways that help. That's, that's kind of been my, my thought, but it's certainly not necessarily biblical, uh, you know, but, you know, like if we're just trying to find a, a starting point, a plan, like I, I think that's a good rule of, of thumb. But I also think, you know, like if we're, if we're strapped, you know, uh, we also need to sometimes prioritize the getting out of debt so that we can, you know, be generous with what God has given to us. But we also hear, so the idea is to, 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 to give, give generously, to save. And, uh, and so we want to be kind of generous to ourselves. In, in Proverbs chapter 6, Verses 6 through 11, Solomon writes this, Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. But you, lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands. Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. So the, the principle here is it's not a bad thing to set some stuff aside for the winter. For when things aren't so good. So put that into your plan. So we want to make a plan that, that is generous, where we're giving where we're helping we want to make a plan where we're doing a little bit of savings and then we want to live on the rest so that means that we need to let our lifestyle be determined what by what is left rather than having this lifestyle and then trying to figure out what to do with how do we live up to this lifestyle that we want to live and that's where within our culture and, and where we have such easy credit where it's so easy compared to previous generations, where it's easy to have a lifestyle that exceeds our incomes. 
So we want to say, hey, this is all that I have left, and so that's going to determine the vacations I take, what extracurricular activities we can do, and all this stuff. And I know it's hard because we live in a culture that says, hey, to have a good life, this is what you need to do. You need to go on these vacations. You need to have these, uh, pieces, these pieces of technology. You need this. You need the kids to be involved in this thing and that thing. And that becomes to drive our, our lifestyle. But the reality is, we'll never be able to, to make the most of what God has given to us if that is the way that we view things. And so we want to make our lifestyle determined by what we have left over rather than, hey, this is the way I want to live. So our income becomes that determining factor of how we are to live. But again, America is a in expensive place to live. We can talk about how Americans have so much money, more money than any place else in, a, in the world. And you're right. I mean, like all of us basically would be in the top 5% in the world when it comes to income. And yet all of us feel squeezed to a certain degree. Why? Because it's expensive to live here. from taxes to, uh, to health insurance to all the other things that we need to have. It's expensive. And that's one of the reasons why it's so crucial for us to live with wisdom when it comes to our finances, to this tool that God has given to us. So here's the big idea this morning. To be good stewards of God's money, we need to give, save, and then live on the rest. Be good stewards of God's money. We need to give, save, and then live on the rest. The money that comes into our lives is to be a blessing. Not only a blessing for us, but a blessing to other people as well. We can, uh, so we need to think about how can we use the blessing of money to bless other people? Like That should be part of our conversation when it comes to our finances. So here's our challenge today, to make a plan, a budget, and we're gonna start that by asking God for wisdom. We're not going to go into this just like, oh, this is, this. No, like, this is my ideas. This is what, no, we need to ask God for wisdom, his guidance. And so we want to make sure we're meeting our, uh, your obligations. So some of us, right, because we have been lost financially, there are some big obligations that we need to take care of first. And that's why it's so important to, to work towards give, getting out of debt. Like that, those are our first obligations. Because God wants us to pay our debts. And Romans, Paul says, hey, pay off your debt except for your continuing debt to love one another. Like that's our prime obligation. And so sometimes, now not everybody will agree with this, but... I, this is what my dad said to me, and I think, it's, I think it's true. Sometimes then when, this con, when we're talking about getting on loss financially, our biggest thing is to pay off our debts. And that's an obligation that God wants us to meet. And so that's our focus, is getting out of debt 
so that we can then be generous later on. Um, so make a, make a plan, make a budget, and begin saving and giving and saving, and, and just make sure that you're including God in all of this. Money can be a source of stress and worry. It can. And I don't think, I, and I think that's the number one reason why we get lost financially. We get stressed and we get worried, and so we just rather not think about it this is me. I'm talking about me. Like this is this. I'm so thankful for Jenny because she helps me through this. Because prior to Jenny, I was a mess. Because I'd just rather not think about it. So we worry, we get worried, we get stressed. And that doesn't help us make any progress. We just continue to be lost financially. And so we need to. Just ask God for wisdom, make a plan, take it slow, just one step at a time, and trust God to provide. Money is a spiritual issue. It's also a difficult one for many of us. When we talk about finances, when we talk about money, it can bring up worry and anxiety in us. I'm one of those people. And so I want to encourage you to keep moving forward in this process. Take it slow. Things aren't going to change overnight. And trust God. He is going to provide for your needs. So pray and trust in Him. I hope that you have a great week. I'll see you back here next week. God bless.